Welcome to Powered by Magic, where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions. Let's take this journey together. Hi, I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we are coming to you from Eugene, Oregon. We invite you to conjure up a broom and ride with us. How are you doing this week? I'm doing really good at this point. I had had some really rough weeks in the past few weeks and something has changed for me, which is kind of private, so I'm not going to go there, but it's changed for me and nice. things are looking up and that makes me really happy. A lot of stress relieved. I also have been working out a little bit with my friend, mm -hmm. a teensy weensy bit, but it's something, it's a start. Something's better than nothing. Right. And I also um, just mentioned that last night you and I played a game, as you and I both know, but telling you guys out there. And what was it called again? Wonder Home. And it was a lot of fun. It's Is that an RPG? Yeah. Oh, yay. I got it right. Okay. RPG game. And it was a lot of fun. I'm going to let Sylvia tell about it because I'm not very good at describing Yes, Wander Home is a RPG, TTRPG, so tabletop RPG that you can find on itch.io or itch.io. It is a very sweet and wholesome game. It is uh, about animals that are like anthropomorphic and it's just very sweet and wholesome and the world is wonderful and beautiful. It's well done. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, we did. Okay, I'm going to switch from me to you. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm actually rather busy. I have on Wednesdays a group that I'm playing with in Fate. And then on Thursdays, I'm going to begin GMing a Fate game. That'll be fun. Fridays, I have Friday Night Magic. Oh, fun. I'm playing Magic the Gathering again. Oh, I guess just interrupt real quick. Like I always do. I always have to interrupt. <laughs> um, you, everybody out there, she got me a set of, what are they called, dice? They're they're just a, a set of dice. It's um, like a Dungeons and Dragons dice. Yes. Just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I had been missing some that disappeared on me years ago. And she surprised me with these Dungeon and Dragon dice type things that I'm so excited about because not only... You know, maybe I can use them for games, but also it was mentioned in a podcast that I listened to that you might be able to use the dice for divination. And mm. I haven't figured that out yet, but numerology and divination would be really cool. So I'm going to explore that. Maybe I'll share it as I explore it. Yeah. Okay. Enough interruption. Go back <laughs> to you. I'm sorry. Then Saturdays, I have movie nights with my sister. And Sundays we do podcasting, so it's busy week. So Mondays and Tuesdays are are my days off from doing stuff, even though I work Tuesdays. Mm, okay, all right. Yeah, we have a cat. Week. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes, we have we have a cat. We have a cat. Yes, and visiting. This week's episode is Ostara, and back to going ahead and having you start with god and or goddess um ember stop it you're not even supposed to be up there ember down i'm sorry let's try this and <laughs> go ahead with the god or goddess if you would 
All right. Our goddess today is Sybil. She is the Phrygian Greek and Roman mother of gods and of fertility. She started as a Phrygian goddess and moved on to the Greeks and then to the Romans. So she's kind of moved through quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Often seen sitting on a throne with a crown that looks like the walls of a city, and she has lion attendants. Yes, I'm going to come to that later, actually. Ooh. Duties. Protectors of, protector of cities, mysteries, and taming the wilds into civilization. Lineage. Now, this is kind of funky because she's both the mother of gods and then she's also apparently had Phrygian parents. Uh, parents were the Phrygian sky god, which was associated with Zeus in one account, and then the Phrygian earth mother. She's also associated with Rhea, the Roman mother of gods, and mother to Jupiter. Stories. Sybil was actually born as a hermaphrodite named Agdistus, who was castrated by the gods and became a goddess. Oh. Because they feared the power that they held. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting facts. Was in love with a man, Attis, and asked for eternal life and youth for him. At least some of her priesthood was made up of eunuchs in Rome. Her symbols are lions, chariots, and hawks. Okay. It's interesting because I didn't know you were going to do that, and later on I just sort of touch on her a little bit. Oh, cool. So, not time for superstition. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to lean into my microphone, but I've got a cat on my lap that's making it very difficult. <laughs> okay. Crossing of fingers. As with many superstitions, the origin of this one is unclear. Some say it began pre-Christianity, when there was the belief of good spirits living in intersections or crosses. For this reason, two people would each use one of their fingers to cross over the other ones in order to make a wish, believing that the spirits would fulfill that wish. Hmm. Another, more popular belief is due to the dire consequences that would happen to a person if they showed any sign of being a Christian. Here, people had to make ways up to show their affiliation. Again, two people were needed to form the cross, but in this case, it was more of a secret handshake to identify like-minded followers. The version we know today is that you can make a crossing sign using your own fingers for the same effect. This version is thought to have first appeared in the 14th and 15th centuries during battle. In the Hundred Years' War, soldiers would ask for good luck, but were unlikely to have another person to make the symbol, so instead they made it themselves. Okay. Later, the belief behind the crossed fingers were no longer strictly locked to good luck, but also to ward off evil and sickness. It was often said to others, fingers crossed, or I've got my fingers crossed for you, in order to wish good luck on that person. The crossing of fingers when lying is thought to have begun with the Ten Commandments. To save oneself from God's wrath when lying, you would cross your fingers in order to wish for luck in getting away with the lie you were telling. Hmm. And that is what I could find out on crossing fingers. Oh, well, it's very interesting. Thanks. On to Astara. Tatiana has the history and I have current events. Beginning with the history, 
Ostara is also known as the spring equinox and is celebrated by many pagans around the dates of March 20th to 22nd. However, it is not documented that the Celts celebrated this festival, only pagans in Germanic countries. Ostara was noteworthy for its connection with fertility. In many cultures throughout the ages, it wasn't uncommon to give a newlywed couple a pair of livestock to celebrate their union and thus ensure their fruitfulness. This was also celebrated as the agricultural time of planting seeds for the year's harvest ahead. Now the Saxons. The name Ostara was derived from the Saxon goddess Ostra. Their feast day was done on the following full moon after the equinox. Interestingly, this coordinates uncannily close with the Christian celebration of Easter. There is a Saxon legend that tells of an injured bird being found in late winter by the goddess Ostra. In order to save the bird, she meant to change it into a hare. Unfortunately, she didn't complete the transformation and left the bird looking like a hare, but it had the ability to lay eggs. The hare would later go on to decorating these eggs to offer them up as gifts to her. Moving on to the Romans. The Julian calendar celebrated the vernal equinox between March 22nd and the 25th. This was the time where the tropical new year was celebrated as ordained by Julius Caesar. There is a story of the god Mithras as having died in the winter and risen again in the spring, much like the story of Jesus, which is connected, as we know, to Easter. Mithras was ordered by the sun to sacrifice a white bull. Although he did not want to obey, he did so anyway. When he did the deed, a miracle occurred, and the bull became the moon and his cloak the night sky. Any blood lost fell to the ground and created flowers. His tail became stalks of grain, and so the beginning of spring. Now, Sybil, as we touched on already, and I didn't know we were going to, is a highly celebrated goddess at the time of the spring equinox. A small story that I found associated with her is that she was known for being drawn around in a chariot pulled by lions, quite the formidable goddess. Apparently, she got mad when her lover tried to marry a mortal, so she went about driving him nuts until he ended up castrating himself. That's the story I found. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Moving on to Persian kings, also known as, I'm going to try and say this, Achaemenids, honored. <laughs> In and about 550 BC, the Nowruz, or New Day, which is the equivalent of the spring equinox and is still celebrated today as the coming of hope and rebirth. Way back when, it was a highly political day in which leaders would go around in processions by being given ostentatious offerings from his subjects to secure his power. He would wear astounding outfits and organize horse races to celebrate. The politician would hire actors and to throw coins as the sign of tribute. The bigger the show, the better. Iran celebrates the day no ruse known as the festival Chahara Shanbe Suri, to bring in 13 days of celebration of Nowruz. Homes are spiritually cleansed and fires are jumped on Chahara Shanbe. 
In the Mayan, there are at least 10 centuries of celebration for the spring equinox in this culture. Upon the setting of the sun on the steps of their ceremonial pyramid called the El Castillo in Mexico, there is a shadow that appears in the form of a serpent and is known as the return of the sun serpent. It extends the full length of the 79 foot tall pyramid in what looks to be a diamondback rattlesnake of light and shadow, a common sign of balance which is a part of the equinox celebration. Its body culminates into a huge serpent head at the bottom of the pyramid. This event was celebrated around the spring and fall equinoxes. Spring would be March 20th and 21st and fall September 20th and 21st. It's not known if the Mayans purposefully designed their pyramid to have this effect or if it was merely by chance. China. From 1600 to 1046 BC, the Shang dynasty laid claim to rule because of its myth involving a woman and a swallow. The equinox marked the beginning of their dynasty as this was where their lineage began. A woman named Qian Ti came upon an egg. The manner in how she came upon the egg was, has varied versions. Whether it was dropped in her mouth, she won it, or she discovered it is unclear as the stories go. The egg came from a swallow sent from heaven and from this egg she gave a virgin birth to Shea, who founded the Shang dynasty. For this reason, the swallow, or dark bird, is connected to the spring equinox. The day is also known as the day of the return of the swallow. Okay, the medieval times. Dating back to the Greeks, it was thought that animals and insects sprung spontaneously to life or from rotting flesh. This helped lead to the belief, written by Petrus Alfonsi, that the vernal equinox was when things came to life from spontaneous generation. He based this on the idea that natural lusts were born from the blood increasing in the animals at this time. Here he brought the old idea together with the new concept of the animals being in tune with the cycle of the year. In the 16th century, the Christians were trying to convert the holidays of the pagans to coincide with the church's holy holidays. It was believed that the Julian calendar was interfering with this progression. So they commissioned a cosmographer, Ignazio Dante, to devise a new one, now known and followed in the modern day as the Gregorian calendar. Interestingly, he created this by making holes in an exact line in places within two churches. One was in Florence and the other in Bologna. Through these holes, he followed the sun's movements in order to make more exact calendar, which met with the church's needs. Previous to this, we followed the, a lunar calendar created back in China. Now we follow the sun in order to make up our dates. There you have the many versions of where and how the spring equinox came into being, how it was honored, and how it transformed amongst many different cultures. Wow, that's you touched on quite a few things I did I do too. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's so much fun to do this when we don't know what the other one is doing. <laughs> so hopefully it's not actually so repetitive to you guys out there that you get bored, but I think we also touch on other things that we find. So Mm -hmm. I think it works out, hopefully. As Tatiana mentioned before, Astara is a pagan celebration of the spring equinox and so happens between March um, 19th and 23rd in the Northern Hemisphere. 
An equinox is a day where the time for day and night are equal. This happens two times a year, in the spring and in the autumn. Now the symbols, meaning, and relevance in the larger wheel. Hares, because they are mostly nocturnal, but because of mating in the spring appear during the day. Eggs, fertility, and an egg-laying hen kept out of doors will not lay over the winter and will start laying during spring. Lambs and spring flowers are all symbols. Now this is a time to celebrate fertility, balance, revival, rebirth, and resurrection. It is also time for spring cleaning in earnest, time to dust, attack those cobwebs, and bring balance to our space once again after the long dark time of winter. Time to recommit and plant the ideas started in Yule and in bulk to get ready for the growing of Beltane and the harvest of Lunasa. Actions to celebrate the coming light are egg dyeing and painting, planting seeds and plants, walking in nature looking for evidence of spring, thinking about the ideas you've had for new projects and goals, and then journal and meditate on it. Other springtime celebrations are holy, which, are, which is a Hindu springtime celebration of many colors. It celebrates springtime, friendship, and love. Powders of bright hues are thrown or blown on other revelers, making for a colorful display. The Songkran Water Festival. This festival in Thailand is one of cleansing and celebrating the new year, famous for the water fights that occur. There were pictures of just huge things of water and, you know, just everywhere fountains of water. And also um, one of the things that I read mentioned people going out with super soakers and just going after everybody. Oh, that sounds fun. Right? Um, no ruse. The Iranian New Year, celebrating new life, rebirth, and new beginnings. It starts with spring cleaning, then bonfires, and on the last day, going out and being with family. This one, I hope I say it right, Simburijata, the festival of scrambled eggs, is a celebration of the first day of spring in the Bosnian town of Zenica. At dawn, People of the town gather by the Bosna River and eat a meal of scrambled eggs with friends, family, and visitors. Spring Equinox in Teotihuacan All in white, the celebrants of the Spring Equinox at Teotihuacan Pyramid climb the steps and at the top raise their arms to the sky, soaking up the energy and sunlight for the year. Floriade Australian celebration of spring and flowers. This is a month-long festival of color, music, and flowers. Oh, it sounds lovely. Yeah. It all sounds really cool. And it's nice to know that that's still going on around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's so cool. Okay, so I have an activity for everybody. I haven't been doing activities too much recently, but this time I do have one. We missed you. Oh. Today's activity is to break through resistance. What you'll need is a small white egg, a dish, a pan with oil if you know you need it, a thumbtack, thin black yarn or cross stitch thread with one end knotted into a largish knot, one long sewing needle. A tapestry needle will be too wide, but you may have to use it. It will likely make the top of the hole bigger than originally desi desired. Be gentle or it might crack. Also, make sure your needle is longer than the egg. 
that seems an important point. It is a very important point because I found out the hard way that that doesn't work otherwise. Oh no. Uh, you'll need scissors, a black permanent marker, and other markers or paint and supplies to decorate with. Before beginning, consider the barriers and fears you feel about the goal that you have set and sense what you will feel once you release them. Whittle down the positive and negative thoughts into single words. Do the piercing of the egg. Here's how. Using the thumbtack very carefully, poke two holes into the egg, one at each end of the egg. Make the hole on the larger end of the egg slightly wider. Not large, just a little bit bigger than the one made at the top, which should only be a straight pinhole. In order to make it slightly larger, gently stir the hole. It might crack a little, which definitely means stop trying to make it bigger. You don't want the hole to be too large. You only want to be able to pull some string or yarn through it and not so large that the knot will slip through. The knotted end will be at the larger end of the egg. As you're about to do the next step, think of the words you've chosen to represent your fears. Now take the needle and thread and put it through the egg saying, with this thread, I see my fears broken. As they do, may my courage awaken. Next, take your marker and write down your intention on the egg of what you will see grow. As you do, think or say, with this thought in mind, my intent I here now bind. Now you will blow out the innards of the egg into the dish. Once all of the insides are blown out, you can decorate the egg to further manifest your intention. Upon finishing, take the innards of the egg and cook them. When you eat, focus on your, what your dream looks like as a finished product. The magic is done. Say, so mote it be to solidify it. Take your egg, create a loop from which to hang it on, and put it in a tree so your dream can grow. If you don't have a tree, then hang it in your house somewhere where you can have it as a constant reminder of your intention. Now, in our notes, I have tried, and theoretically, you should be able to see some photos of the process of doing this. And now, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, <laughs> scrolling, we're going to move on to Sylvia's activity. My activity is a work-life balance spell, and you need an air plant, which is for air and work a sea urchin shell, which is for water and home, a small spray bottle with water, a gray candle for balance, and if you can't find gray, use white, and that's the candles for fire. A little salt in a bowl is for earth. Make sure you have everything with you and then cast the circle asking the quarters to be present. Call on the god and goddess. Take a moment to meditate on what you want your work-life balance to look like. Then sprinkle a little salt over the plant and the sea urchin shell, asking that it be purified in your own words. Light the candle and carefully pass the air plant and sea urchin shell over the flame, asking in your own words that it be purified. Then put the air plant in the sea urchin shell and mist with the spray bottle, saying once, As this grows, my courage shows. For balance be mine, this is my shrine. Ground your energy. Thank the god and goddess and close the quarters. Then hang or set your air plant somewhere where you will see it and remember to take care of it. 
and each time you look at it or water it, meditate on what you want your work-life balance to look like. That sounds really cool. Thank you. Thank you. I love how they look too, because I've seen them in stores. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to make your own and just how they look is like a jellyfish. And yeah. It's really cool. They look sweet. I like them. I will give a little hint with air plants. Every week you're supposed to soak them completely in water mm-hmm. for 15 minutes. And then when you dry them, you put them, I guess, kind of face side down so that the stem is facing up mm-hmm. and let them completely dry. Yeah. Just in case anybody out there doesn't know, I didn't know, so thought I'd share. Thank you. Okay, we're going to move on to the tarot. Mm-hmm. And today is the Page of Cups. We have a double feminine power going on here. Intuition, emotion, nurturing. The page is here to tell us that we are continuing and building upon our journey. We must carry on looking into ourselves for deeper insights and trust the process. Be prepared to accept help along your journey, to delegate, to rest, and to go headlong into the project when needed. Our emotions need to be kept in check, but also delved into since the passions we need to progress are often the product of them. Be aware that the process requires self-sacrifice and flexibility. With reference to Ostara, we are birthing our ideas into the world, and we need to learn how to care for them. It's not enough to begin. We must be ready to follow through for the long haul. It's in our best interest to cultivate deeper insights into the big picture. Balance is key. Recognize this is a time to stay centered and focused without draining yourself. Going forward too fast will cause a crash and burn, but going too slowly will stunt the growth. Harness the energies of Imbolc to help with the breakthrough of Ostara, which will start the evolution of what is to come. That was great. Thanks. I thought it was pretty powerful. Mm Mm-hmm. Please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you found us. Also, come join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love to have you. We definitely need the likes. We really need the ratings. It's super important to us, and we're trying to make this a real go. The one thing, though, I think we really want is your questions and your input. Yes, definitely want to hear from you. Yeah. Should we put our, say, our email if they want to email us? Go for it. So our email is tatianasylviapodcast at yahoo.com. And that's T-A-T-J-A-N-A-S-Y-L-V-I-A-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot Yahoo, which is Y-A-H-O-O dot com. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us, send us your questions, send us your info, send us your uh, corrections if you must. Yes, yes. I'm sure we have tons of corrections, especially in how we say things. Yeah. And we'd like to learn. Yeah. Thank you. I'm Tatiana saying goodbye for now. And I'm Sylvia saying so long and thank you for writing with us. This has been Powered, Powered by, by Magic. Magic. Have a great day, guys. Thank you.
Thank you.